today's episode. Yeah, and I know I went through it myself. You know, growing up with these learning challenges, I would always, I'd want to be invisible um, because I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard. I mean, deep down, I want to be seen. Deep down, I want to be heard. I would always sit behind the big kid in class because I didn't have the answers. Um, and I started teaching this when I was um, when I was 18 years old. So this is um, going on 30 years, three decades. And so when I started teaching this, I would be teaching you know people twice my age, three times my age. And who's going to take advice from this this kid, you know, right out of school? Who's going to, you know, what do you know, kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And it took me it took me some time. You know, I realized what I would say to everyone who's kind of facing this and struggling that maybe there's not an easy answer, but I could tell you that through struggles come strength. That I think part of our journey here is to have the curiosity to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the curiosity. To, that's why self awareness is a superpower. Talk about superpowers. You know, you can journal, talk therapy. You know, meditation. But also, once you just, you have the curiosity to know yourself, have the courage to be yourself. Welcome to the Modern Author Podcast. Your host, Eric Custer. Eric Custer. Initiate the change you want to see. On this episode, we're going to talk with Jim Quick, and Jim Quick is perhaps no one better to really understand the power of our own human mind, uh, to understand how we do tackle hard, challenging projects. In particular, Jim has been someone who has gone through his own journeys, um, struggling growing up being the boy with the broken brain, to learn how to become the brain coach to some of the world's most successful people, including Richard Branson and Will Smith. On this conversation, Jim talks to us about how you can harness that inner hero, but how you have to initiate it, how you have to remove distractions, and how you really have to tackle one of the biggest challenges to be that hero. And what I loved about Jim's insights is that he recognizes these are challenging things, but the only way we grow our mind is by challenging it. It is a muscle. We can work on it. And so I'm excited to have you hear a little bit about how Jim thinks each of us can tackle big, meaty projects our own creation event, so to speak, in order to really challenge, grow our minds, and become the person. Jim is the author of the book Limitless. He is also one of the world's premier brain coaches, and I think you're going to really learn a lot from listening to how Jim says we can harness the power inside each of us to become limitless. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend. How are you, sir? Fantastic, Eric. Thanks for having me. Good. Absolutely. We're so glad to have you here today. We were hanging out with Tiffany Haddish. And we were talking about superheroes with her. She's going to be a superhero in a, in a movie coming up here on Netflix. And I was saying it was like the perfect prompt for you because you're like the superhero guy now with your brain. So we're super, super duper excited to get to have you here. And thank you so much for hanging out with this crazy group of, of authors here writing books. Oh, thank you so much. And it's a real pleasure to connect with all of you. You are, you are my people. <laughs> I love reading books. For four years, I read a book a day. Um, really? So I'm an avid reader, to say the least. I think reading is to your mind what exercises to your body. So here, I feel like uh, we're all on the same path. These are your people. Well, and all the authors here, I talked to your team. We're going to send you a big stack of books at the end of this crew here as thankfulness for what you've helped us accomplish together here. So you know, you might need to read a book a day at the pace that uh, this, the size of this group of authors that we're going to have here. So I'm up for the challenge. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone's uh, Good. work. I think I, I love it. As I was reading your book, I felt this connection to you because I'm like a big superhero guy. Like I am like basically forcing my daughters to love superheroes. I'm imbibing my own love of superheroes in this one. 
tell me a little bit about how superheroes inspired you to become like the guru of the mind. Well, I, I appreciate that. Well, for, for me, I feel like that if knowledge is power, learning is our superpower and it's a superpower we all have. And when I'm talking about finding superpowers, it's not necessarily leaping tall buildings or shooting lasers out of our eyes, but what if you could have laser focus? What if you could jump through stacks of books? You know, what if you could have this incredible bulletproof memory? And uh, when people see me live on stages, I do these demos where I'll have maybe 50 people introduce themselves, 100 people introduce themselves in the audience, and I'll memorize all their names or 100 words or 100 numbers. And I always tell people, I don't just impress you, I just express to you what's really possible because the truth is all of you can do that and a lot more. Imagine how, how, you know, what you could do in terms of writing your, your art, your, your work, your passions. And the reason I know it is I grew up with learning difficulties. I had a traumatic brain injury at the age of five, actually I had three traumatic brain injuries before the age of 12. And um, because of it, I had these processing issues. I had poor focus, a poor memory. It took me three years longer to learn how to read. Really? Um, my teachers would have been surprised if I read a book, much less wrote a book. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, send them copies of it, right? Exactly. Cases of them. So my, when I was nine years old, I remember I was slowing down my entire class and I was being teased for it because the teacher would have to slow down, repeat lessons and such. And I, and she, she, I remember in front of the whole class, she pointed to me and said, that's the boy with the broken brain. And that uh, is unfortunate because that label became my limit, you know, put me in that kind of box. And I believe labels are learned. And and the reason I'm so excited about superheroes is I learned how to read by reading comic books. Um, That's my uncle. They gave me these comic books and I would pour myself into them because it was a way for me to escape how uncomfortable life was. You know, I was being bullied. I didn't understand. I didn't fit in. And something about the hero, the hero's journey, it just brought it to life. That the idea that you know you could discover and develop your superpowers. That there's a lot of there could be adversity. A lot of superheroes' journey is filled with um, you know challenges. Meaning that even a lot of my favorite superheroes growing up, they, they were orphaned. I mean, think about. Right. And uh, Superman, Batman, uh, Spider-Man, uh, Iron Man, you know, they, they had these challenges. And yeah, so I wanted to, to find my superheroes. And, you know, they also said that one person can make a difference, that there's hope mm-hmm. and they have real help. So I, I love, I love that. I love Joseph Campbell's work. I have people see me on Instagram. I have like a 10 foot Hulk in my back. In my back. <laughs> yeah. I have a life-size Iron Man suit. <laughs> I'm kind of reliving my childhood. It's, you know, it's, so it's, a, it's not a limiting factor. It's just on how hard you push. So one of the things that I also love in the book is you, you, don't, you not only talk about super pa- superheroes and superpowers, but you also talk about how superheroes have villains. And villains are something that we need to be aware of, know what our villains are and how to you know, sort of overcome them. And so I want to talk about a couple of villains for this group. Because this book, this group, while writing books, as you know well, has villains. And some of those villains are, and I'm going to give you a few of the villains that we have, the incredible doctor imposter syndrome, right? The incredible doctor imposter syndrome is an awful, awful being here, just terribly tells you you're not very good here. What do you see that like people sort of overcome that imposter syndrome villain that they oftentimes suffer through? Yeah. And I know I went through it myself, you know, growing up with these learning challenges, I would always I'd want to be invisible because I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard. I mean, deep down, I want to be seen. Deep down, I want right. to be heard. But always sit behind the big kid in class because I didn't have the answers. And I started teaching this when I was I was 18 years old. So this is um, going on 30 years, three decades. And so when I started teaching this, I would be teaching you know people twice my age, three times my age. And who's going to take advice from this this kid? You know, right out of school, who's going to you know what do you know kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And um, it took me it took me some time. You know, I realized what I would say to everyone who's kind of facing this and struggling that maybe there's not an easy answer, but I could tell you that through struggles come strength, that I think part of our journey here is to have the curiosity to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
um, really the curiosity. To, that's why self-awareness is a superpower. Talk about superpowers. You know, you can journal, talk therapy, you know, meditation. But also once you, just, you have the curiosity to know yourself, have the courage to be yourself. Yeah. And, you know, in this world, it's interesting because in this digital world where everyone's always comparing themselves to, you know, online rated, you know, it's always greener on the side, but maybe it's greener because it's, you know, it's the filter they're using that week or, you know, or, or it's greener because it's, it's, it's maybe fake, fake grass, but who knows? But I, I would just say I spent a lot of time in senior centers because I lost my grandmother of Alzheimer's when I was going through all these learning challenges and we donated the proceeds to children's education, hundred percent to children's education Amazing. and Alzheimer's research. But, um, you know, so I spend a lot of time with seniors and I find out that, you know, not only can I help them polish off their memories, and I learn a lot also, but there's also this urgency. It's like this unresolved past, you know, unfulfilled past and, you know, really connecting to really who you are and not trying to pretend to be somebody else that a lot of them mitigated their lives because of expectations of other people. They, they dated somebody because of, you know, or, or pursued a career because it was expected of them or not expected. And I would say that, you know, we have one life, you know, this life here, you know, why aren't we running towards our dreams like we're on fire mm -hmm. and we're at level of authenticity and, and vulnerability and just being who we are, not trying to please everybody else other than, and knowing that we don't have to be perfect. I think thinking mm -hmm. is good for thinking and wanting to be perfect, it stops, cease everything before it even starts, you know, any kind of progress and, you know, analysis paralysis. I'm just saying success for me is, is know who you are, you know, know yourself, trust yourself, love yourself, and then be yourself. Mm -hmm. you, know? you talk about surround yourself with other people that can know thyself in that kind of way, which I think is another powerful part, which is why I'm such a big believer in this community aspect of things. You're one of those huge advocates of building a huge community of people behind this one. What about the, the villain that I think is another one here of there's this loneliness aspect here that we find ourselves, you know, working on these hard things and like, you just got to be alone for it. How do you talk, how do you defeat that villain here along the way? Yeah, especially with everything that's going on, we might be physically distancing ourselves. Um, the metaphor I'm using is that of a the symbol for tr uh, profound transformation is that of a butterfly. Mm -hmm. You know, beauty is in the butterfly; the growth happens in the cocoon. And but sometimes when we're cocooning right now, we feel like we're physically distancing ourselves, which is great because right now we're not. We're, we might be physically distanced from each other, but we're not socially distant. You know? Right not mentally distant or emotionally distant. That's where I think a lot of challenges come. But, you know, chronic loneliness could actually, you know, shrink your brain and it has a, an effect on your, your nervous system, certainly. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I have a quote in my book from a French philosopher that says, life is a C between B and D. Life is a C between B and D. B is mm -hmm. birth, B is death, C is choice. Mm -hmm. I believe these difficult times can define us, these difficult times can diminish us, or these difficult times can develop us. Ultimately, we decide. And one of those choices we could do is just know that, you know, that everyone's going through similar things. That's why the community is so important because who we spend time with is who we become. We have these things right. for neurons where we start imitating, adapting, adopting the language and the habits and the, the, the behaviors of the people we spend the most time with. And so I think we all need somebody to encourage us, to challenge us, to cheerlead for us, to be kind to us. And if we haven't found that person yet, my advice would be to be that person for someone hmm. else. You know, and especially remind her to be that person for you. Part of right. self-care is falling in love with that person in the mirror who's been through so much, but is still standing, right? Mm -hmm. And recognizing that. And so I would say loneliness, um, someone could be alone and not feel lonely. Trevor, like, you know, for, for me, I've been like practicing my whole life for like what's going on here, <laughs> you know, 200,000 people live every single year, yeah. uh, you know, which is a lot on travel and just, you know, connecting with people. And I love it. It's my mission. 
And I would say that, you know, remember to, to connect with people because here's the thing, it's not just your neurological networks, it's your social networks. Mm-hmm. That bond is incredibly important. So anyone feeling lonely, know that you're not alone. And the best thing we could do is things like this, where we can feel like we're connected. And the reason why I opened up saying I, how much respect I have for you and the entire community here is just, I feel like a lot of people have a book inside them. Yeah. That take work. It takes courage. It takes, you know, a leap of faith, maybe even to, to put that into action, you know, and that's what I, that's what I'm learning. I mean, think for my first book, it was, I mean, it took 28 years for me to publish yeah. that. I think, I think about that, that amount of time of, you know, but eventually. Yeah. I mean, you know, I turned out 20 years and it's a damn good one. So you know, they did, it was, it was a, uh, you know, at least it didn't take 40 years. Right. So I, I think it's, it, and it is, it's, it's, an, you know, it is an amazing work too. I, I, you know, I actually talk about this in the, uh, in the class, you know, to sort of prepare people. So I want to talk about another villain that I find to be an interesting one that is that, especially in writing books is this idea of distraction, right? Today, you know, as much as we're sort of less distracted a little bit, maybe when in this sort of non-pandemic world, there's a lot of like, you know, I mean, I'll admit like, you know, Netflix is a real problem for me. Like, oh, just one more episode, one more episode. How do you sort of find that the world's best people, how do you coach people who are amazing to sort of harness that anti-distraction array that they may have inside them? Yeah. In the, in the book, I talk about four specific supervillains that are driven by technology. You know, just the generations before didn't really have to deal with that as intensely. It's really amplifying the challenge. You know, things like digital deluge, too much information, too little time, digital yeah. dimension. We're not, our memory is not as strong as it used to be because we're relying on third-party memory device, mm-hmm. um, digital deduction, where we, you know, creativity, our ability to discern, rationalize, critically think is not as strong because everything is done through algorithms and right. technologies teach us what they think. But that, uh, the other one, the fourth one, digital distractions, is, it's, it's a challenge, right? Software. <laughs> But all day, rings, pings, dings, app notifications, social media alerts, how do you maintain your concentration in a world full of distraction? How many of you, and I just, I'm looking at the chat actually right here, this is amazing. How many of you ever read something, got to the end and just forgot what you just read? Yeah, totally. Go back and you reread it and you're like, you still don't know what you just read. Look at all these. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, how do you, that's why focus is so important. And here's the thing. But I would suggest really simply is like the metaphor I use is that of like a magnifying glass. I don't know how many of you use a magnifying glass and you're in outside and light comes in and you burn, I don't know, like leaves or whatever. Yeah. But that light, you know, it's, it's very, it's very bright, mm-hmm. right? Interesting that we call intelligent people bright, but maybe oh, they're not, but maybe they're just better focused, right? right? A focus stands for fixed ongoing concentration until successful. Fixed mm. on- concentration until successful. And here's the thing. A lot of people feel like they are, they're multitasking. Like how many of you in the chat feel, I mean, how many people here feel like they're multitasking? They're doing multiple things at once. Just keep up with your juggling different things. And now in actuality, the research I talk about in the book is multitasking is a myth. We're not actually multitasking. The brain is not, it's not possible for it to do, you know, multiple parallel processes, mm-hmm. cognitive activities at once. What you're really doing is task switching. Yeah, you're going totally. task other. So my suggestion for everyone who needs to focus is to do one thing until completion. And here's the thing, the reason, here's three reasons why not to multitask. Number one, it costs you time. You think you're gaining time, but you're actually losing time because it takes anywhere from five to 15 minutes to regain your focus into that new activity. The second thing is you make more errors. And I, I get to train a lot of world leaders, writers, 
the writers, actors, athletes, doctors, and a lot of the doctors, they're making, you know, these studies show that they'll actually make more mistakes if they're mm-hmm. trying to do multiple things at once. So not only does it cost you time and errors, but it's also uh, also costing you energy, meaning mm-hmm. that you're actually burning more uh, brain glucose. And so if you feel mentally fatigued, you know, your, your brain is sapped of energy, part of it can be trying to multitask. And so if that's you... Uh, <laughs> a lot of hands gonna, going up. <laughs> but here's the thing, and... It's hard because we train our brains to be distracted with our devices. Right. And one thing, I have a video online on Facebook has 27 million views and it just says, hey, why don't we just not touch our phone the first half an hour of the day? And mm-hmm. I know it's really hard for everyone who's watching this right now. It's difficult mm-hmm. for all of us. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's simple, but it's, it's that hard also. Because when you wake up, you're in this relaxed state of awareness. You're very suggestible. But the first thing you do is pick up the phone. You're rewiring your brain for two things. Number one, distraction. Every like, share, comment video it's a dopamine flood right and mm-hmm. it's building uh, your distraction muscles but the second thing it's doing it's rewiring your brain not only for distraction but also reaction yep. yeah one message voicemail social media message text message whatever email can hijack your, your your whole mood for your whole day mm-hmm. and people like as you're writing you want to get in that creative state that kind of theta state i believe you don't have creativity you do creativity as a process mm-hmm talk about and do not be reactive because the future belongs to creators i mean let's just talk about this speaking of distraction i as soon as you saw it i was like oh baby yoda is super cute by the way but, but here's the thing um so here and i could appreciate it because i teach people that jedi mind you know and such but my, my point of bringing this up now now constantly mandalorian everything will be a reminder to be focused have laser focus like those 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 lasers more those lightsabers but here's the, here's the thing, whatever you do consistently, you get better at. Yeah. And if you're picking up your phone, you're getting better at being reactive and distracted. Right now where jobs are being automated, they're going to machines, they are artificial intelligence. What's not going to be outsourced is truly what's limitless. Mm-hmm. There's no limit to the to creativity. There's no mm-hmm. limit to our ability to imagine. There's no limit to our ability to come together, or human determination. And so that's not going to be easily outsourced. That's why I believe the future belongs to creators, to all of you right? Um, that where it's not going to go to the automated, some kind of machine that's going to do that. Right. So I would say, be conscious of what you're doing, especially first thing in the morning, because that's how you start your day. If you want to win the day, you got to win that first hour of the day. So instead, try something simple like making your bed and just being present when you're mm-hmm. making it. Your brain loves cleanliness, takes two minutes, but how you do anything is how you do everything. Do it with excellence. You'll take excellence into your writing. Or something like brushing your teeth. Try brushing your teeth with the opposite hand or eating with the opposite hand. Hmm. Because is you not only does it build a different part of your brain because there's a brain body connection and body brain connection but also forces you to be present you know mm. in the you're not going to be able to think about other things if you're trying to brush teeth well so little things for distraction like that also uh, by the way and i love this the, the format of this conversation our attention span lasts about 25 to 30 minutes mm-hmm. after that they called it the pomodoro technique yes yes 25 minutes, there's there's a drop in focus and concentration. And and so at every 25 minutes or so, take a little break, even if you're watching on, on online, just to, just to move around a little bit, get some hydration, do some deep breathing. A lot of people don't have the mental vitality to stay focused because they're not even breathing properly, meaning they're collapsed, they're, they're falling asleep when they read. Because if you your posture is bent over, the lower one-third of your lungs absorbs two-thirds of the oxygen. And your brain... Two percent of your body mass, but it requires twenty percent of the nutrients in the air and to stay vibrant and mm-hmm. staying hydrated. Even when you drink water, your brain is seventy-five percent water. Just staying hydrated will boost your reaction speed and thinking speed thirty percent. Just staying hmm. hydrated. So little things you could do, but through those, you know, you have a break every 25, 30 minutes for yourself, so you could, yeah, do your deep breathing right now. Yeah, you know, it's, it's 
I, what I love about it too, and I think I think it's one of the things I would say if I were to, if I were to say one of the things that's so great about the book is it, it is just about being intentional with how you approach any sort of project and being in it. This idea of like just that intentionality. I got to ask on this one of like the guy who's like the brain guru writing a book here. How did you do it? Like, what was your process? How did you sort of like put the time aside? What was your sort of strategy to pull it off? Because obviously, like. You should be like, you know, intentional about these things. And I love this. Reverse engineering, when I went through actual process of reading it, I wanted to teach it. Well, part of me, I had a leg up because I spent my, my career building the content, right? Right. right. Organize the content in a meaningful way. Now, I introduced something called the Limitless Model, which is a framework for accelerated learning. And not only that, but for unlocking human potential. <laughs> um, and I also, if you notice the, the, how I decided to write the book, I took people through that hero's journey, mm-hmm. you know, yep. from the venture to initiation to revelation to the uh, the ultimate transformation of the mm-hmm. hero returning so i wanted to use that as the framework um, for it so i'm a big framework person yeah. um, and everyone i know is writing whether they're writing fiction or non-fiction i mean everyone has different different interests and, and then passions to be able to apply towards their purpose for me i dedicated around writing time um, the only time that it was a little bit difficult is when I was traveling, when I was speaking. For example, I wrote the, the chapter on memory in Greece because it's a large <laughs> That's cool. But because I found out that the, the goddess of memory, there's actually a goddess of memory, her oh. children were the nine muses, science, literature, and oh. art. It's, it's interesting that the mother of science, yeah. art, literature, what we're talking about is memory. Um, and Socrates says learning is remembering. And so... Um, they had, I wanted to find out, like, what did they do 2,500 years ago when they didn't have printing presses? How did they remember things? Mm-hmm. And so I was inspired to write that there. But outside of that, you know, we talk about things on our podcast. We have a podcast only 15 minutes long because of the Pomodoro Technique. Yep. Uh, people could look up on iTunes or any of their, their podcasts. Quick channel. brain for those of you at home who want to know it. It's great, by the way. It's my, yeah. Thank it's you. Great. Okay kbrain.com. Maybe someone could put it in the chat, but there's no advertising, no sponsors. It's just me democratizing this, you know, how to study, how to remember names, how to speed read all those things. And we, the, the chapter specifically on, we talked about on chronotypes mm-hmm. where there are different time types based on your hormonal profile. And so when you understand your chronotype, you know, when's the best time to eat, when's the best time to go to sleep, when's the best time to exercise, when's the best time to check your email, and also when's the best time to write because mm-hmm. you want to, when you're most vibrant, when you're most alert yep. and such. And so you can look in, in, into that. So the other thing I did was I would write in about 25 minute increments and mm-hmm. then take a five minute break. And it's not a 30 minute break, a five minute break. <laughs> right. And I'll be refreshed. And yeah. remember I'm writing during the time I'm optimized, you know, when I feel like the most energy, just like working right. out. You're not going to, if you're lethargic, you're probably not going to get the best workout, you know, of your, yeah. of your thing. I also find that we train people to go into a theta state and there's different brainwave states like beta, you're most awake, like everyone is, hopefully is here right mm-hmm. now, and that one's uh, delta, sleep. Alpha and theta are interesting states for learning. Alpha stays a relaxed state of awareness. It's how we train mm-hmm. people to learn languages, facts and figures very rapidly. I train a lot of actors. Uh, I had a notable Hollywood actor give the cover testimony for the book. But yeah. I also train TED speakers how to memorize their talks, getting into an alpha state of awareness using music, for instance, like um, Baroque classical music mm-hmm. will put you into a relaxed state of awareness, 60 beats per minute. Theta state is a state you go into when maybe um, you're very creative. It's like in and out of sleep. Einstein actually would do his thought experiments. He would sit outside of Princeton in his rocking chair and hold a rock because he didn't want to fall asleep, but he wanted to stay in that huh. state. Like, because if he fell asleep, he would drop the rock and he would go back and you know that awake state, which is you know, where we wanted to be. But also showers put you in a theta state. How many of you shower uh, and you come up with ideas? How many That's of you the classic start thing, right? Like when you can't write things down. Like I in the shower, right? This morning, Eric, just uh, just to prepare to be <laughs> exactly. 
But um, there's certain things you can do to change your state that makes you more creative. And remember this, you do not have creativity, you do creativity. Yeah. That's the thing. This conversation is about transcending. It's about ending the trance, ending the mass hypnosis that we're not good enough, not smart enough. We change the languaging. Some people say, they wake up and they say, oh, I hope I have focus today. I hope I have concentration. I hope I have energy. I hope I have good memory. These are not things you have. Right. Those are things you do. And the goal here is to, to realize that you have taken noun and turned into a verb. Mm-hmm. You take a noun and turn it into a verb, and that gives you autonomy. It gives you agency. Like just the qu- quick story, just to remind, just to really sink, sink in, is I remember I got to introduce two of my creative superheroes together. They're very two different thinkers, but they wanted to meet each other over dinner. It was Richard Branson and Stan Lee. And wow. Richard is a very dynamic thinker. He's written a number of books. Yeah. He's, he's dyslexic, but he started 400 companies. And Stan Lee, you know, like superheroes. <laughs> the Stan Lee, right? Thing. And I asked Stan, I was like, who's your favorite superhero, Stan? You created so many. And he looks at me, he's like, Jim, it's Iron Man. And he said, Jim, who's your favorite superhero? And he had this, I posted this on Instagram, a big uh, Spider-Man tie. And I said, Spider-Man. And without a pause, he goes, with great power comes great, you know, <laughs> which we've all heard. And I, me, because of my traumatic brain injury, I, I tend to still reverse things, even when I read sometimes. And I said, Stan, you're right, with great power comes great responsibility. And the opposite is also true. With great responsibility comes great power. Hmm. Take responsibility for something. We have great power to make things better. At that, the next day, he actually gives me the. I don't think you see it on video. Yes, it's, it's made out of candy because for uh, the reminder that Stan was a big kid and he was like the youngest old person I ever knew. He had two passions. He has one. Uh, no, he's you know the late Stanley. His wife, who he was with for almost his entire life, mm-hmm. and also his work. You know, almost until the day you know, like he passed, he was. Um, you know, he was going to work nine to five, Monday through Friday, because his, his passion was to his art, to write, you mm-hmm. know, to, to create his stories, to create his superheroes and his characters. And, and that made him young, too, for me. Yeah. Like, you know, and so it's so amazing, his ability. He's created, you know, whole universe. Yeah, yeah. You, you sort of just like, you like checked my like, like, like a bucket list boxes right there, Stanley and, and Richard Branson. I was like, I was like, wow, we're not worthy. I, I, that must have been like one of those moments where you're like, oh God, like pinch me, I can die now. <laughs> so. it's, it's quite a, quite a learning experience, certainly. Yeah. You know, how, how as different as we all are, even you know, here, or even as people, you know, telling each other, we're, um, I'm, I'm in awe how much like, like how much we have in common. Yeah. He has yeah. their own. Everybody has their own adversity. And, it, and talk about superheroes. It's the size of the villain that really determines the size of the hero, of who we become, right? It's interesting in these stories. Nobody yeah. wants to worry about like somebody who had like, you know, no talent. I mean, I don't know many strong people that didn't have that had an easy life. Right. And so the greater the challenge, I mean, think about it. my two biggest challenges were learning and public speaking. Right. And, <laughs> The sense of humor, because that, that's all I do is public speak on this thing called learning. But I do believe our, our struggles can be our superpowers. Yeah. And so, so I want to get you out here because you've been super gracious with your time. I really do appreciate it. So I, I want to ask one last thing here a little bit. You know, this sort of theory, the series is a little bit about like kind of living a life well learned. And you're kind of the guru of learning here. What do you find that these people, I mean, and you've coached and worked with some amazing people. What do they do differently that you think the rest of us can learn from to live this life well learned? I love that. I, I feel like that here, here, here's an example. I was coaching, uh, was with Will, Will Smith and I, mm-hmm. I give these names because not to drop names, but actually they're memory anchors and triggers. Next time you watch a Will, you know, fresh Prince of Bel-Air or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That the guy was talking about, he was filming from 6 PM to 6 AM and it was in the winter in Toronto of all places. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's freezing cold. But earlier that day we went through a process where I help people discover their 
that their their dominant question that you have fifty to seventy thousand thoughts a day and there, a lot of those thoughts come in the form of questions. The challenge is 95% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you had yesterday and the day before that, the day before mm-hmm. that. And you wonder why you can't be more creative or create something brand new because you're having the same thoughts every day. There's mm-hmm. no change, right? Well, there's a certain uh, question that you ask all the time that you've trained yourself consciously and unconsciously to ask. And I call that your dominant question. So for me, for instance, growing up as the boy with a broken brain, I was always thinking about how do I fix this? Mm-hmm. That was my question and I started getting answers, right? My, a friend of mine, her dominant question we found out is how do I get people to like me? Only thing about her, what she looks like, where she lives, what her career is, but you know a lot about her. If you yeah. just know how do I get people to like me? You know a lot about her personality and everything. Well, Will's, we found out his dominant question is how do I make this moment even more magical? How do mm-hmm. I make even more magical. And it's interesting, later that night, it's two o'clock in the morning, we're freezing outside, everyone thinks it's so glorious, but it's like, you know, not very, you know, it's very challenging to like hurry up and wait all the time. And and he's there and he's making hot chocolate for for all of us. And he's bringing us like blankets and telling stories, right? And, and cracking jokes. And he's living his dominant question, how do I make this moment even more magical? So I, I would say the lesson I've learned from um, people who excel in certain areas, and, and it doesn't matter what it is, genius leaves clues. And, um, hmm. and they're, they're asking something, they're controlling their questions that they're asking because that's determining their focus. So I would say, mm-hmm. be aware of that, what your question is, um, because you might want to change it. Maybe it's not serving you where you are right now. And the second thing is, I just posted this actually, you know, a few days ago, we did an Instagram story. I was like, what are two things you do every day? He says, I run and I read every single hmm. day to do something physical and I have to do something mental. Now, this is a, a, an example right now, just a reminder to everyone to move. As your body moves, your brain moves. You create brain-derived neurotrophic factors. When you when you're on an elliptical or you go for a walk, you're more likely to retain that audiobook or that podcast. Hmm. Also, you know, people like Steve Jobs and all these creatives, they, they would do walking meetings, not sit down yeah. And that act of walking, you know, actually made them more creative and come up with solutions and and uh, to these problems or these mm-hmm. dilemmas and, and innovate and everything. So I would say a commonality is not not only are they lifelong learners, right? Because if you want your business to grow, your book to grow, your brand to grow, you need to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also they direct their focus with the power of their questions, and they're very cognizant of that self-talk. I believe your brain is like a supercomputer. Self-talk is the program that will run. So if you tell yourself not going to remember any names, you won't remember the name of the next person you meet because right. you're programming computer not to. People come to me all the time and say, Jim, I have a horrible memory. Jim, I'm not smart enough. Jim, I'm too old. I say, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And mm-hmm. so I would say the second thing besides always learning is to control your self-talk because that's the program will run. Your mind is always eavesdropping on your self-talk. And my last suggestion would be really hone in on your routines. I believe the treasure you seek is hidden in your daily routines. Yes. At first you create your habits, then your habits create you. You create your habits of exercise or reading each day or writing for an hour a day or whatever it is, meditating, eating, whatever. And then those habits create you back. So I would remind you that when, you know, sit down and when did you actually sit down and, and create your habits and which habits are serving you and what habits are maybe holding you back? Because, and especially the first hour, like listen to my podcast episode, just search Jim Quick Morning Routine, really nail down that. You don't have to do all 10 things I do every morning, mm-hmm. but these are 10 things I do to jumpstart my brain, jumpstart right. my creativity, jumpstart my focus. So I would say lifelong learning control your self-talk, and then finally reevaluate your habits and see which ones serve you and which one pull you 
further away from which and one. You've, you've set us up here. This is like perfect here to, to go forth and write books here. I'm like fired up now, Jim. I have to tell you, you've done some amazing things. Again, so much big, big appreciate it. Limitless is an amazing book. And I, I will say you've like touched on like 1% of the amazing things in the books. Even like, you know, you are a framework guy and I am a huge framework believer too in the way that I teach. And so I love how many in-depth frameworks are, how to apply to list different places. Everyone's time. I just remind you that you are the greatest project you will ever get to work on. And just it's in, I, 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 I'm really honored to be on this path because books changed my life. I didn't have, my parents immigrated to the United States. My dad was 13, lost both of his uh, parents. They couldn't afford to, to feed him. My mother lived in the back of a laundromat that she worked in. We didn't speak no language, no education, no contacts, no money. And I'm just saying it's not a matter of the resources. It's a matter of your internal resources and that your life is like an egg, that if an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends, but if it's broken by an inside force, life begins. And so make time to create your, your magic, great magic. And that I really wish for you right now that, you know, may you tonight, even as you dream, I want you to go, go to sleep easy tonight, knowing that you could handle everything that, face, that faces you this week, that you're, you wake up with your mind energized, that your heart is inspired to write, to be able to tackle a new day, that you can move in the direction of your dream, that you discover beauty, that you discover gratitude in those small moments, and that also that you, that you make time to love, to laugh you know, to learn and, um, and, and to live. And so the biggest mistake I see Eric people doing right now is they're downgrading their dreams to meet this current situation. Yes. You don't downgrade your dreams to meet this current situation. You want to upgrade your discipline, your faith, your work ethic, your confidence, you know, your, 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 your perseverance, your consistency yep. to be able to meet your, your dreams, your destiny. Thank you so much, Jim. You've inspired even me to do sort of uh, go forth and write tonight. Definitely Jim, huge props. This is amazing guys. Someone's free. All right. Thanks a lot, Eric. Um, Thank you again, well. Jim. We appreciate you. We're reading all your books. <laughs>